Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. We're getting ready to go into the high holidays, and um, last week you had the privilege of listening to Mitch Ford teach, and uh, Yvonne Kleiss will be teaching um, on uh, Sunday, let's see, I think it's the 17th, and that <clears throat> that's the day when we're going to be starting Rosh Hashanah with apples and honey. That was one of those holidays that it was um, kind of interesting for me to embrace as, since I was raised in a Baptist church. And I knew about Shabbat, we were taught that, and I knew about the high holidays, but I'd never seen the apples and honey part of it. And they probably figured the Baptists, you know, would, would want more food than just the apple and the honey. Uh, we always had lots of potlucks. But the sweetness of God's word and then the substance of God's word. And so we always have apples and honey that we pass out to the congregation and celebrate the Rosh Hashanah. Well, today's lesson, um, it, I should say... I think I studied it and God gave it to me for me, but I'll go ahead and teach it. So those of you that are here or listening later on, you can get the blessing as well. So let me open up in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity to come together under the umbrella of the blood and the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid for us to be in complete relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, Lord, give me the words you want me to say to these people and bless each one. And all God's people said... Amen. How many of you know that the Jewish culture studies other cultures? I didn't know that. Um, And so what I was reading and what brought this whole lesson to life was they were talking about the United States Constitution. And it's like, okay, I'm old. And I had to raise my hand the Sunday that they asked, or maybe it was a Wednesday, they asked, who's read the whole Constitution? It's like, I've never read our Constitution. The Jewish scholars studied our Constitution. Now, they understood that a lot of what we do is from Judeo beliefs and laws and practices and policies. And I didn't understand that until I got to New Beginnings and realized that, um, my goodness, we really are kind of birthed right out of them. And here we stand because we're following God's plan. Well, what they were looking at was the first part of it, and it says, the, the, uh, well, life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And they camped on that phrase, pursuit of happiness. Now, to me, that always meant um, I was free to pursue happiness. But in the Jewish culture, when they dug a little bit deeper, when that was written, pursue, that word did not mean exactly what it means in today's culture. For me to pursue something means that I am going after it. I'm looking into it. I'm actively moving towards it. But when this constitution was written, pursue means I will put on. I will activate. I will live in happiness. Because the Jewish culture knew. What's the scripture? The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's right. So they knew that we would have life and liberty and we would put on, pursue happiness. Now, that's really nice for writing a constitution, maybe even some kind of a movie lyrics, a song lyrics, but how in the heck do you do that with our life? Now, we all look around today at circumstances and we say, what in the world is going on? <laughs> and we know that the end is close, but what we also know is that God is very active in certain points around the world. 
if you watch history in foreign countries, there are all kinds of revivals going on there. Um, there are miracles taking place, all kinds of stuff. And so if we look, come on in, we've started, but you're not late. <laughs> welcome, welcome. We're, we're looking at the fact that the Jewish uh, scholars um, study other nations, their constitutions and the way of doing business. I didn't, didn't know that until I was studying and reading. And they actually looked at the United States Constitution and the start of it with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They understood what that meant. And I was explaining, I always thought pursuit meant that I was going to look at a goal out there and work towards it. But when the Constitution was written, it, that pursuit word meant something different. Pursuit, when the Constitution was written, and what the Jewish culture understands, is that I, I choose to be happy. I choose to put on happiness. I choose to activate happiness in my life. And the only reason that's important is because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah. <laughs> so it's important that we be happy. So when you walked in the room, what I'm talking about is how can we be happy with the circumstances that are going on around the world? However, again, Jewish culture, they give us very, very specific ways to do that. And I find it fascinating, I guess because I grew up um, in the church, and most of my Bible stories were the flannel graph kind, you know, the black flannel graph board, and then the little characters that, you know, marched across the board. Um, all of the biblical characters were old and kind of scruffy looking and had long beards. And um, what I knew as a young child is that Jesus, um, he did have blue eyes and, and wore a long white robe. But nonetheless, he was a shepherd. And there were a whole bunch of little stickers on this board that were sheep. And my name was on one of them. So I knew that I was a sheep in Jesus's pasture. Now, I don't know where the theology fits into that, but nonetheless, I grew up feeling like I, I'm here, I belong, and he's, he's my leader. He's, he's going to take care of me. But as I studied deeper in, into the Bible, God's word, what in the world he wanted from me, I realized that any time I get closer to the Lord and pull that part of heaven down to earth that he's ch challenged us to do, it's equally met with demonic it's almost like one for one. When I was getting my healing from cancer, all the demonic thoughts came in. I've shared before, I would be go shopping, walking through getting my exercise, and I'd look at an outfit for spring when it was the middle of winter, and I'd think, oh, that's cute. And immediately Satan would put in my mind, yeah, but you won't be alive by then, you'll be dead. And I would have to continually push those thoughts out of my mind and stay camped on the fact that I was healed. So that's 30 years ago. I realized that whatever was going on good in my life, the same force would be coming against me to get me off path. Now, why would Satan want to do that? Because he would want to screw up my testimony. <laughs> if he could get me painfully sharing my horror stories, then I would be dragging down the body of Christ. So, how do we stay in happiness? Well, I've got some points here. First of all, to quote Pastor Tish, she always says, you're about as happy as you decide to be. And I remember the first time I ever heard her say that, it's like, you're kidding me. You think I can just flip a switch, don't you? And, you know, 25, 27 years later, it's like, yep, you just slip, slip flip a switch. So first of all, you have to kind of have an attitude of gratitude. Um, when I look at, at stories... Uh, on, on Facebook or when I watch television and I see these magnificent mansions that people have 
And, you know, then I look at my house, it's like, hmm, doesn't match up with that mansion. Gee, I don't have a circular drive. I don't have a separate pool house. And yet, when I look at my house compared to the rest of the world, I am wealthy. I have a house. I have air conditioning that works. A lot of people don't. I have a bed that's comfortable. When I lay down at night, I thank God for my comfortable bed. I have food in my refrigerator. I have two refrigerators. Not to brag, but wow, two refrigerators. I remember a time when I didn't hardly have enough food to put in one refrigerator. <laughs> so that attitude of gratitude is kind of the very first step. And you say, well, Pastor Nancy, this is kind of elementary, isn't it? No, no. Where we are right now and everything that's coming at us, we have got to stay in an attitude of thankfulness. We have to be sure that we look around and, and thank God that whatever pothole was ahead of us, we didn't hit. And if we did hit it, it didn't do any damage. We have to constantly be saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because as we are praising him, we are pushing back the demonic. I find it fascinating that so many people feel that their assignment on earth is to fight the devil. It's like, have you not read the New Testament? Do not remember the last thing Jesus said. It is is finished. The battle's already won. The only way that Satan can have any authority in our lives is if our mouths open a door or our thought process puts in some confusion and that allows Satan to sneak in. He's a legalist. He listens to our words. He even listens to what we don't not agree with. That's a double negative, isn't it? That's the wrong way to say it. If someone is saying something negative around me, then it's my responsibility, you know, not to slap them in the face, although I really would like to sometimes. You don't slap them in the face, but I literally sometimes turn around and I go, I cancel those words in the name of Jesus and cover it with blood very quietly so as I don't embarrass whoever it is that's complaining. But that's my job, to make sure that they have not opened a door and allowed legally an entrance of the demonic into their world or our environment. That's my job. Now, I have to do it in love and grace. And unfortunately, I've, I've learned that through the years, but that's what we have to be able to do. The next one is that we have to be able to confront. Now, again, I'm not talking about <laughs> arguing with someone, but having discernment, studied enough to know when something lines up with the Word of God and when it doesn't. And when it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then we have to be willing to confront it. Now, I have learned through the years, uh, honey and I have been married 43 years, almost 44, I have learned that confronting him on what his belief system is just doesn't work. But I have people that I disciple, and my job is to make a statement when they are someplace that they don't belong to help them move to the next spot. When, I don't think Don and I were even married yet, I went to a retreat, um, it was off my home, another state, and um, it was designed as a leadership retreat, and it was supposedly some spirituality things in it, not godly spirituality, but spirituality, and I can remember being on that retreat and realizing that I was in a place where I really not ought to be, and uh, praying protection over my brain, and it's like, well, I'm here, and I have all these exercises and writing assignments that I have to do, so I might as well plug into you, Heavenly Father, and let you show me something while I'm here. And when I came out of that, um, the word, because they were talking about, you know, what is your purpose, you know, what's your gifting, blah, blah, blah. And the term, I'm a facilitator. And I didn't even know what a facilitator was. 
And as I'm saying it, because you had to give your word as you're graduating, you know, I'm a facilitator. It's like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to do it. And so I was waiting to come home. It's like, Lord, what is a facilitator? And he said, your job is to meet someone where they are, assess where they are spiritually, and facilitate their moving from one point to another. It's not your job to take them to the finish line. Like, oh, come on. Isn't it more fun when you get to have that amen when somebody's accepted the Lord as their Savior (laughs) and you celebrate with them that you brought them into the kingdom? That's fun. Honey gets to do that. Don, my husband, he, he prays with a lot of people and brings them into the kingdom. But God said, no, no, no. Your job is to move them from point A to point B. I will give you discernment to know where they are and where they need to be. Now, I don't know why he didn't allow that gift of mine to be used in my marriage, but he didn't. When we become a wife or a husband, then we have a different set of operating rules that we're supposed to do. So as you're learning to confront, because you've already learned to be grateful now, as you're learning to confront, realize where are we supposed to be when we confront and how do we do it? I'm sure there are a lot of people who feel like I'm really not doing what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm not bringing people to the Lord. I, I want to evangelize. I want to go out on the streets. I want to pray for people. And if any of you have been here on Wednesday night and you've heard Cowboy Dave pray, I mean, he has such a passion for evangelism. And as he's you know praying, because we pray from 630 to 7 before Pastor Troy takes over. And as he's you know marching across the front of the church and talking about evangelism, and I listen to his words, and it's like, you know, give everybody a heart for evangelism. It's like, bless his heart. Some are called to that. And others, not so much. We evangelize differently. In my neighborhood, Don walks our dog, Champion, and he talks to all the neighbors. He gets to know them, whether or not they have kids, you know, what, what's going on in their life. And he'll come home and, you know, tell me who they are and what's going on. Now, I don't walk the dog, um, it might be a short suit of mine. I'm willing to look at that. I don't really like to talk to a lot of neighbors. I kind of like to come home in my sanctuary. And, oh. But the Lord has shown me that Don kind of finds out the data, and then I get the data, and then I can pray and say, Father, what, you want? what do you want me to do with this? Am I supposed to pray about it, or am I supposed to reach out? And I've discovered that I know who owns dogs and who walks those dogs, and that I, if I'm coming or going, I can wave at them. I can kind of say, have a blessed day, little things like that. Another neighbor that was having a baby, and I said, we're praying for an easy delivery for that little baby. Things like that. That facilitates somebody from point A to point B. Now, don't you know, I mean, honey gets out there and gets the data, talks to everybody, every fence post, anybody that'll talk to him, he'll talk to him. Then I take the data, kind of crunch on it, administer to people, but when they need a prayer, they come. Excuse me, lady, um, uh, would you pray my, my cousin, blah, 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 whatever it is, because I facilitated them. I'm not just a stranger. I'm married to that happy guy that talks to everybody, but I said a couple of things to facilitate them moving from where they were to where I might be able to help them, and that's my job. If I compare myself to other people, it's not very important. If I compare myself to what Don's doing, then I can be guilty because it's like, I should be out there walking that dog with them, talking to those people after all. For crying out loud, I'm a pastor here at the church. I ought to be doing something like that. I mean, Pastor Larry's out there doing that all the time. But it's like we need to know what was our gift. What are we supposed to do? Because if I drop the ball facilitating someone from point A to point B, 
I'm a part of the puzzle that's missing. Now, it's very plain in the scripture. He talks about we all have different things, you know, the hand, the foot, the ear, the eye, all that kind of stuff. And we read it and go, amen, sister, amen, brother. But we have to kind of get it inside of us and realize, what is God calling me to do? Because more than anything, Satan would like to wear out the saints. He would like to get you so busy doing, 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 doing that you have forgotten your love and your relationship with God. And sometimes he masks these assignments Satan does with, well, that's a good thing to do. That's what we ought to be doing. Shame on you for not doing that. So be very careful about the voices that you listen to in your head and be sure that what he's asking you to do is something that you really want to do. It's strange to me, and I didn't understand this until my friend Joan Porter. By the way, Joni's coming to Texas for the um, October 21st event, and I'm convinced God put her in my life just so I have so many teachable things to teach. And she's well aware that I teach everything that she's done (laughs) as we've been together. But she was interviewing uh, two people uh, after she left the bank uh, to hire. She was the marketing director for the American Cancer Society in Oregon. I've always found that to be an unusual title for a job, marketing director for the American Cancer Society. But anyway, uh, she was very good at it. She was a fundraiser. And uh, she was interviewing two people, and I said, so who are you going to hire? And she said, well, I just love the, the girl. Um, she's just fun, and we communicate really well, but I'm going to hire the guy. I said, how come? She said, well, his resume is, is much better, and his experience is better. I said, do you like him? She goes, no, it's, it's going to be a real struggle to work with him every day. Now, I'm listening to her talk, and I'm backing up, and I'm going, are you, are you listening to your words? You want to bring in an assistant, number one, that you don't like, and number two, that it's hard for you to communicate with? I said, Joni, hire the woman. She said, yeah, but that would be so easy. Like, Joni, God doesn't want it to be hard. I don't know what in her background, you know, you know me, the what doesn't, the why and the what don't matter. It's, it's like, okay, let's get this fixed. Let's get God in here and, and get you on the right track. But there is something in her background that if it was going to be worthwhile, it had to be hard. And so she was able to kind of erase that thinking out of her mind. But it's like, I wonder how many people walk around doing that. God gifted you with something that is so easy for you to do. And yet, sometimes we dismiss it. Well, this is easy, so it must not be too valuable. It's the very peace that God put inside of you. Now, mention Laura. They have been um, one of my key volunteers for a long, long time. And um, Mitch is a, I was going to say a car guy, but you're kind of a truck guy. But he's a vehicle person. He understands cars and vehicles. He drives nice. And um, whenever anybody is flying into town and needs to be picked up at the airport and delivered to a hotel and so forth and brought to church, they're always my go-to. Because it's natural how God put them together that they don't talk too much, they don't talk too little, they talk just right, like the three bears. They're not too dressy, they're not too casual, they're just right. They know how to bring people in to Pastor Larry's office, and they're not too bold, they're not too quiet, they're just right. I don't have to worry about the person, the dignitary that's coming in, whether or not they're going to be well taken care of, because it's who they are. I don't have to worry that something's going to be said by Mitch and Laura, because That's who they are. They're good people. They're discerning people. And they're social people, so they understand. 
Mitch knows how to go get a car and pull it up so that somebody doesn't have to walk a long distance to get into a car. He understands all these things already. Now, I don't know how much he values that, but that is extremely valuable to me. When I met Annette, (laughs) she's just effervescent. She's just fun, but she's appropriate. So I didn't know her background. I didn't know what she was capable of, but I observed just a couple of things that she did about finding people who were new to the church, and she doesn't bring everybody to me. She brings the people to me that she knows I need to meet. She brings the people to Pastor Lydia that she knows Pastor Lydia needs to meet. She brings the people to any of the Huck family when she knows that's who they need to meet. So I don't have to worry. Now, I don't know how Annette holds herself, how she values that gift, but that to me is extremely valuable. Both of them are puzzle pieces, the Fords and Annette, in a picture that helps this whole church work. So I don't know who's listening to this after the class, but be willing to confront things that don't work, but don't accept Satan's verbiage inside of your head. Be willing to get rid of that. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, then then renounce it. And if your body is getting attacked, then, you know, if you wake up in the middle of the night with the pain and just say, hey, Jesus paid the price for me to be whole. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and by his blood. You get out of my body right now. Thank you, Jesus, for the peace that passes all understanding. And then you turn over and go back to sleep. The last one is what, um, (laughs) it's really not replacement theology, although that's kind of a buzzword that we, we don't believe in, but it's replacing the thoughts in your mind. Even in the world, um, they'll talk about, you know, how to have good thoughts. And I've taught on Dr. Caroline Leaf before, you know, how chemically God said the joy of the Lord is your strength because he knew that when we're thinking good thoughts, when we're thinking pure thoughts, that that creates a chemical in our body that allows our body to function so much better. And God knew that when we were fearful or when we were angry, that that produced a chemical in our bodies that caused disease, stress. So he knew that already. He didn't bother putting that down in the scripture. He just said, do what I tell you to do, will you? Don't don't investigate it. Just do what I tell you to do. But now we're at a time where science is proving to us everything that God told us to do. Well, you have to replace. Let me go here. Um, You have to feed on God's word in order to have it in you so that it comes out of you. Uh, Pastor Troy can just quote scripture, and I look at him, and it's like, where did you get all that? First of all, he's older than what he looks, but he's younger than what I thought he was originally. No, no. He's younger than what, well, he doesn't look his age. I'll just put it that way. And he is younger than what I thought he was, but he has been studying God's word for a long time. He was born into a family where he was the youngest, and it was um, towards the, the age where his parents were getting ready to retire. So they kind of had more time with him than some of, some of his siblings, And his mom liked dressing him up, and his dad kind of looked at him as a young businessman. And so he taught him all kinds of business and biblical principles that most little kids don't get that kind of teaching. Now, I may have wondered about that when Pastor Troy was sharing that with me. However, I worked for a boss one time who was extremely wise in dealing with people. And finally, one time I I asked him, I said, you know, where did you get all your wisdom for dealing with people? And he said, well, my dad was a high school principal and coach. And he said, and when I got through with school and grade school, we only had one car. So my dad didn't want me walking home. And back in those days, you didn't have a school bus. 
And he said, so I would go to his office, and he set up a table in the corner of his office where I did homework or read. And all the counseling that my dad did, I was in that office. Now, first of all, as he's saying that, I'm thinking, oh, you got to be kidding. You must have heard some horrible things. <laughs> he said, I heard all kinds of stories from parents and from students, and I heard how my dad dealt with them, how some he was very gentle with and others he was very hard and he said, and I learned that there's just not one way to talk to people, that you have to kind of back up and who is this and what do they need. And I'm listening to him talk, and it's like, oh, my gosh. That's where he got the platform for his incredible ability to communicate with people. Now, he's the one that I've shared this story that, you know, we were getting ready to fire a branch manager. This is back in my banking days. And um, there were three of us in region that kind of operated as his support team. Uh, myself, I was in marketing and sales. And then there was a lady who was in charge of all the buildings and in charge of all personnel. And then we had our main lead uh, lender. He did all of the loans, all the way from national accounts down through mortgages and car loans and all that kind of stuff. So the three of us would have input. So this manager came in, and all three of us had gone, get rid of this guy. <laughs> He's bad. And so he went into uh, my boss's office, and they came out, and they were both smiling. And my boss you know, gave him a hug and walked him to the door. And I'm just marching right into the office. He's like, you didn't fire him, did you? And he wisely leaned back in his chair, and he said, what makes you say that? Now, again, I learned, because my normal would have been, yeah, I fired him. You know, I would have immediately jumped back into a response. But he just leaned back, what, what makes you say that? Because he realized this was a huge teachable moment. I said, well, the guy left happy. And he said, why do you think people have to be sad when they get relieved of their job duties? Like, I'll be darned. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> and he talked about talking to the guy and explaining what was necessary in his job assignment and how he'd given him more staff and he'd given him more money for marketing, Did all named all the things that he had done to help him be successful. And then my boss looked at him and said, what would you do if you were in my shoes? And the guy said, I'd fire me. And my boss said, yeah, it looks like it's going to kind of be that, but you're not a bad guy. What do you want to do? Let me see what doors I can open, who I can connect you with to get a job that you would really like. See, that was the first time that I realized, wow, okay, there's a way to do things and not damage people. Now, for those of us that kind of like cracking whips, we're okay every once in a while causing someone to go, ouch. God doesn't want that. <laughs> he wants us to move gently through people. God loves people. So he wants us to be sure that we're nice to people even when we confront them or do something that they may perceive is not to their best interest. It is to their best interest. So the last one here on replacing your thoughts is when you have a thought in your mind, realize that it's probably not you, a negative thought. It's probably Satan. He talks to us in our own voice. So when the thought comes in, then we just literally say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And then we put a positive thought in there and we Say it out loud, because when I speak, I'm creating. <laughs> so I don't repeat the negative that came in. I just say, I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. It doesn't line up with the word of God. Today is a good day. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord. And I start praising God. Satan runs when we praise God. So when I'm thanking God for something, when I'm praising God for something, when I'm re replacing a negative thought with something that's biblical and positive, Satan runs. That's our defense.
I don't have to get on the ground and say, what's your name, demon? <laughs> I literally just get out of here, you, you little dust ball. <laughs> By the stripes of Jesus, I am the healed. And I claim whatever it is that is trying to cause me distress in my life. Let's see, make sure I've got all this. Oh, the last one is no judging. Oh, and I hesitated putting that down. Huh. When God gives me my plan, that means that I'm a puzzle piece, that I have two, two big pieces off, off on the left side and nothing on the right side. But when I get put in God's puzzle, then I'm going to be matched up with somebody that may have a lot of pieces on their left side that goes into the part of my puzzle piece on my right side. And we may not look alike or even agree or even have a good time communicating, but we are part of the same puzzle. So my job is to say, okay, Lord, show me who I'm to step alongside and who I'm supposed to step back from. Because those of you who have an, an automatic judging piece inside of you, it's like, okay, that person needs help, so I need to help them. But sometimes God is waiting for sleepy Susie over here to step in and help. So you need to say, Lord, is it my job to step in and help that individual, or am I supposed to step back because I don't want to steal somebody else's blessing? I want to make sure that Susie gets to go in there and, and get a blessing because she's going to help. And then you have to be careful that you don't judge the way Susie did it, because more than likely Susie's going to do it different than the way you would have done it. But it's okay. It's okay. In the Jewish culture, if you are in a Shabbat home on Friday night, they may ask you to light a candle or to say a prayer. And probably if they have their family around the table, you are the least qualified to do any of the duties they might be asking you to do. But they will ask you to do it, and then they will say, that was good, that was really good. Because the mindset that they were taught is that if I can encourage them to do one thing and then celebrate that one thing, it might encourage them to do another. And I call that facilitating. You're moving somebody from where they are, encouraging them so they can get to the next step. Well, I don't know where you are in the series in your life. I don't know what's going on circumstance-wise. But I do know that the pursuit of happiness is something that we have to make a decision to have. And no matter what the news coming in, and even bad news, you can say, Lord, this looks really ugly. However, I know I have a testimony coming. Give me discernment, Father, to see the things that I need to do. Give me wisdom to know the difference between the right and the wrong. And thank you for how you're going to turn this messy circumstance into something good. Thank you, Father. And then every Shabbat, when you light those candles, you visualize what it is, where you're going, that person that's, that's going to get cleaned up, that individual who's in a cul-de-sac of, of mess that's going to come out of that cul-de-sac. You visualize that and thank God that he's bringing them back into the family in good standing. And let's just see if perhaps the pursuit of happiness could be something that we could all enjoy, no matter what the life circumstances are. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us an absolute roadmap, an outline of things to do in order to stay in peace, in order, Father, to, to pull in the heavenly. Lord, we know that there's messes out there. Some are messes that we've made ourselves, and other are messes that Satan is trying to put on us. But we know and have the assurance, Father, that you have a pathway out. You will be with us through this entire process. You never leave us alone. You always give us comfort. 
You always take care of us. Thank you that you are the great comforter. Thank you that you give us wisdom when we ask for it. Now bless everyone, Father, as we leave and go into the sanctuary to hear a word from Pastor Larry. Thank you for each person that will be listening to this teaching afterwards. And Father, we thank you so much that you allow Jesus to pay the price for us to be whole. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday.